0: Views expressed on the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. This is Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
1: And welcome to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM and streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com. We're here to participate and to invite a deepening dialogue on the expansion of interfaith understanding and our shared spiritual quest. We are returned this week from sharing a retreat at the Indralaya Retreat Center on Orcas Island. For those of you who were listening last week, That's where we were broadcasting from. And each of the three of us have come back to rather busy weeks. Brother Jamal and I have come back to services at our own communities and to a conference on dying well. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that in a few moments. Pastor Don has returned this week from several months of sabbatical, so he was the first time in the pulpit of his church, and he'll talk about that in a moment. It's an interesting week. Every week there is a portion of the Torah, a portion of the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, which is read according to the Jewish tradition. Torah, of course, means teaching. And this week, one of the very famous lines in Deuteronomy is included in that reading. Tzedek, tzedek tir justice, justice shall you pursue. And the sense of the verse is that one achieves justice by acting justly. Just as one, uh, one achieves love by acting lovingly, one achieves peace by acting peacefully. As Gandhi said, we seek to be the change that we wish to see. So what we're about is creating environments which can support spiritual awakening and significant growthful change. Environments like this radio show And we invite your comments and your participation. Our call-in number is 425-373-5527, and in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. The three of us certainly don't agree on everything, but we seek to meet and to share, and to understand. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, where we are about to begin this Friday, the journey toward the High Holy Days. Friday is the first of the Hebrew month of Elul, and traditionally the energies begin 40 days after the first of Elul, comes Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, or the Day of Atonement. The journey of the High Holy Days supports deep energies of transformation and awakening. And I extend a warm invitation to all listeners to join us and get a taste of a meditative approach to Jewish worship, and Jewish community on the first and third fridays of each month you can find out more about us at
2: jewishspiritualcommunity.com i'm brother jamal rahman from interfaith community church in our house of worship we aspire to foster a living breathing interfaith community and Live with the questions of what does it really mean to have your own religious identity and yet be open to the beauty and wisdom of other traditions? How can I and how can we incorporate interfaith ideals uh, into our particular faith? Uh, and yes, Brother Ted and Brother Don, this uh, was has been a busy week. This Sunday, I also did a, last Sunday did a service and the topic there was about the twin words of direction and purpose. And essentially it was about gathering the scattered fragments of one's ego and opening up to a higher will, a higher consciousness. And the main message really, I think, is summarized by this 13th century sage Rumi who says, uh, Jamal, you know the value of every article of merchandise. But if you don't know the value of your own soul, it's all foolishness. Mm. Next Sunday, which is the fourth Sunday, we always look forward to an outside speaker, someone we can learn from. And from our house of worship, uh, Reverend Karen Linquist has arranged to have a Christian contemplative, Tim Malone, to come and talk about Christian contemplation. It promises to be a very wonderful talk, both didactic and experiential. And if you want more information, the website is www.interfaithcommunitychurch.org. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you.
3: And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle, right across from the Burke Museum on 45th. And as Ted said, I have just returned from the great gift of a three-month sabbatical plus some vacation time and, in effect, have been gone from worship since Sunday, April 23rd. And so yesterday was a stunning day for me to be uh, with the congregation again and with my colleagues and so forth and receive that welcome home. Uh, It was um, a a deep time. Um, I will be preaching this coming Sunday on Uh, using two texts, one is a healing story from the Gospels where Jesus heals a man who is a paralytic and combining that with the story, part of the story of Jacob, uh, who awoke to a fuller awareness of his being that led to a healing, uh, a healing that I think invites each of us to consider, um, the healings that we hope for and uh, maybe even some of the aspects of the things that keep us from getting there what what holds us back what are the imprisonments that we experience the, this particular text is the moment where jacob uh, struggles with an adversary who is usually understood to be god and finally says something like this i won't let you go he says to this divine other he says i won't let you go until you bless me and uh uh, we have taken that to mean that Jacob has, has risen to the occasion, is trying to find the blessing in this curse that he's experiencing. Um, and so I'm going to try to, within that, say something about where I've been uh, in the time that I've been going to help the congregation uh, see some of that, as well as uh, proclaiming the gospel and so forth. So uh, as Ted and, and Jamal have said, uh, everyone is welcome at our church. It's at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning.
1: It's great. From time to time, we'll let you know what we're doing and tell you how to meet us in person and in person tell us how you're doing with the show we're presenting. Jamal and I are fresh actually in the middle of our participation at a conference called On Dying Well at a Buddhist center near Green Lake called Nalanda West. Beautiful uh, center on uh, Woodlawn Avenue. Yes. Woodlawn yes. Avenue, and we're going to begin with the question: How does your tradition help people prepare for the transition called death?
2: In a general way, and this is um, from the Muslim perspective. If I speak in a very broad way. The sources from Islamic literature truly prepares a person from a very early age. By this I mean the verses of the Quran. So there are many verses which express this particular insight that please do not allow death to overtake you before you have surrendered to God. Then there are verses that talk about understanding impermanence. One of my favorite verses from the Quran is everything which dwells upon this earth is perishing yet still abides the face of thy Lord majestic, splendid and the Quran is quite specific. It says of course God is boundlessly compassionate and merciful but please do not wait till the period that you're dying to invoke the mercy and compassion of God And also the Quran says, before you die, please do righteous deeds. And then in the Hadith, which means the sayings of the Prophet, and Sunnah, which means the conduct of the Prophet, Prophet Muhammad, you know, he said this beautiful uh, verse, which was revealed to him from God, that Islam has no priesthood. And if you need answer to questions about your life, to make decisions... Please consult your death. If you consult your death, all those priorities will rearrange themselves. Mm. you reach good decisions. Now, in a specific way, to people who are on the deathbed, I mostly, if they're Muslims, I talk to them about God's boundless, infinite compassion. Bismillah ir rahman Even if they're not Muslims, invoking the boundless compassion of God is very, very helpful to that person at that stage of life. Thank you, Jamal. We'll be coming back in a moment,
1: continuing our conversation on how our traditions help people prepare for the transition called death. In the meantime, please welcome the words of those who are helping us speak to you on 11:50 a.m. Alternative Talk. We'll be right
4: back. Commonly known as NECO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach traces its history to the first anniversary of 9/11. Committed to promoting interfaith dialogue and understanding, its purpose is captured in its mission statement. Celebrating Spirit through Interfaith Collaboration and Compassionate Works of Justice in the World. For information on how to get involved, go to InterfaithTalkRadio.com and click
5: on Nico. The United Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index. Dot PHP. We wish you blessings for your life. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129.
6: The University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org or call 206-524-2322. That's 206 524 It's called Bet Aleph Meditative Synagogue, and it's a spiritual community led by Rabbi Ted Falcon.
5: I've been a seeker all my life, but I never expected to find meditation and spirituality in a Jewish context.
6: Learn more about Rabbi Ted and Bet Aleph at com. That's JewishSpiritualCommunity.com.
7: Unity of Bellevue is an inclusive community for spiritual growth, where all are valued, where positive attitudes are developed, where spiritual laws of life are taught, where consciousness is cultivated, where self-awareness is enhanced, and where the bonds of fellowship are enriched. Join us for our Sunday celebrations on Bellevue's East Side. Visit our website at www.unityofbellevue.org.
0: Remember, you're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
1: And we're back with you. This is Interfaith Talk Radio on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com. Welcome to our continuing dialogue on interfaith understanding and our shared spiritual quest. And our engineer, Eric Ryder, has manifested a phone call.
4: Well, I'm not sure I manifested it, but we do have a phone call for the show, and we are happy to welcome Mary onto the program with us. Hi, Mary.
7: Oh, hi. Um, I'm enjoying this program, and I happen to be a a chaplain at a long-term care facility. Uh Uh-huh. And I just like to share something that we share with families. uh, when they are going through the the possibility of the death of a loved one. And I think this particular um, process would be uh, helpful for anyone of any faith tradition. Great. Um, so what we uh, often share with people, and they can do this in any way that they want to, but bef- before a loved one dies, it's often helpful for them afterwards and healing to them if they... Um, tell the person that they thank the person for the gifts that they have uh, shared with the uh, loved one during their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's something that people should say. Also, if uh, if they feel that they've uh, caused any hurt in the life of the loved one, they ask for forgiveness. But also, if they feel that the loved one in any way has uh, harmed them then they they offer forgiveness mm, beautiful and then uh, you know this process could take place over days, but uh, whatever, uh, and then also important is to say that you loved the loved mm. one and and then as as death approaches, um, uh, the individuals, the family, the friends say goodbye to the loved one mm. and uh, I think this process helps people afterwards because it enables them to share things that they if they don't share they may regret afterwards
1: Uh, mary i think the steps you're talking about are extremely important thanking the person asking forgiveness offering forgiveness expressing love and saying goodbye Really... And then
7: I liked what the Jamal said about the consulting our death. I think we all live within the context of mortality, but maybe we're not really um, too focused on it. And yet um, the um, the writer um, um, Carlos Castaneda is speaking uh, about the teachings of a Native American named Don Juan. He said, Don Juan said that you should... You should always look over your, your left shoulder because death is, uh, 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 gently sitting on your left shoulder. And, um, I know that if, if we are aware of death, then perhaps we live more, uh, fervently our lives. I had a friend this, uh, summer who tragically the, the, uh, couple lost their, um, 15-year-old daughter in a, in a uh, drowning in an accident and she drowned and you know this, when some horrible tragedy like that um, confronts us it just takes the breath away from us it takes the rug out of our lives and but it causes us to to re-evaluate uh, our priorities for living but a much more gentle way gentler way is to to have this awareness of Of death in our lives, and to consider each day a precious uh, gift from God, and uh, I, I just think that that helps us to live well if we are aware of our death.
3: I couldn't agree more, Mary. This is Don McKenzie. Um, I think you've been. What you've said is an illustration of how important it is to develop certain kinds of habits that help us not only deal with a particular moment of death, but with, in effect, the reality of death in our daily lives. And uh, we live in a culture that is very good at obscuring that reality, and that uh, is causing all kinds of pain. And one of the consequences, I think, is you've already described that when we are, in effect, faced with our own mortality, we're surprised, we're angry, we're... We're thrown off balance, the rug's pulled out from under us, as you said, and uh, if we haven't developed those habits, those, let's call them spiritual practices, uh-huh. uh, it's awfully difficult. But if we can, right now, begin to think about things in the terms of you, that you have just described and develop those practices, either alone or with our immediate family or a close group of friends or something, we can change our own consciousness about our mortality, and that actually will have incredible an incredible effect on the way we think about life, actually.
7: Um, a book I read once, which was very meaningful to me, uh, by Stephen Levine, who deals with people who are uh, uh, dying, um, the, the essence of the book is uh, live uh, as if this were the last year of your life. <laughs> right, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's just an exercise, but still it helps us think about the stages of life, the, the uh, seasons of the year, what we do. It helps us to become more, I think, alive in the present moment if we can develop, as you say, uh, spiritual exercises that make us uh, cognitive of the fact that we live within the context of uh, mortality.
1: Amen. Thank you very much for your call, Mary. I wondered, uh, Pastor Don, whether you had uh, anything to add in terms of the way your tradition helps people prepare.
3: Well, just to carry forward a little bit, I think that um, in addition to, uh, in effect, changing our mentality about the reality of death, because we, it's really not a part of our mentality, mm-hmm. and it causes us to do kind of some strange things, I think, sometimes. But um, I think then we need to say to ourselves, what do we really think as people of faith, whether we're Christians or Muslims or Jews? What is death? Um, and I think of the phrase that I use often in a prayer, Christian people do not believe that life ends with death. Well, what's that mean? Um, it points, I think, uh, to some larger sensibility about uh, uh, an experience that, is, that preceded our birth, and extends beyond the limits of life, be beyond our own death. Uh, something that words such as eternal life have been used to point to. It's a great mystery, obviously. But there is a hope, uh, in all three of these traditions, actually, that there is a healing, uh, that will come to all, uh, to all of creation. Um, not always within the bounds of birth and death but that hope is a driver uh, i think and it it comes up against our uh, cultural inability to absorb the reality of our death mm. and again i think makes us do strange things i think that one of the places in my tradition where i go when i'm needing some reassurance is the story called the parable of the prodigal son where the the kid takes the money goes to a distant country loses it all and finally needs to come home and uh hopes for some kind of forgiveness so he can make a living and uh, the parent sees the kid coming and and he yells out uh, bring let's have a party that he's coming home he says for this my son was dead and is alive again was lost and now is found and they began to celebrate and that that's a feature of uh the christian faith that I think, is underneath uh, these things that point to the reality that life does not end with death.
2: Hmm. Isn't it fascinating that so many traditions, not just the Abrahamic faiths, but the others, they talk about the meditation on one's death being so life-affirming, like in Buddhism. Hmm. Buddha said, of all the footprints, the footprint of the elephant is the most impressive. Of all the meditations... The meditation on one's own death is the most beneficial, the most life-affirming.
5: Right.
1: A lot of times we think of life being the opposite of death, and I continually remind myself that life and death are not opposites. Hmm. Birth and death are opposites. Life has no opposite. Life is that stream which flows through many births and many deaths to manifest in the unique, precious ways in which it does. And from our deaths, we learn the preciousness of the moments of our lives. We are called to a greater appreciation of the possibilities of connection, the possibilities of love, the possibilities of supporting one another on our journey and on our quest. For those of you who want the numbers, you can call in and participate in this conversation, 425-373-5527, here in Seattle, in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. When we return, we'll be continuing our conversation on how our traditions help people prepare For the transition called Death. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we'll be right back.
4: You're invited to attend American Pacific University's Clinical Hypnotherapy Seminar, August 25th through the 27th in Seattle for 40% off. Hypnosis is a scientifically verified and effective technique to help us change our lives. You'll learn how to guide yourself and others to lose weight, quit smoking, and be free of physical pain. Fascinating discussions, informative demonstrations, and interactive exercises will let you use hypnosis after only one weekend. Call one 800 63 hypno or
8: food enzymes, the digestive secret thousands have benefited from.
9: Bonjour, my name is Veronique Raskin. I founded the Organic Wine Company 25 years ago. If you love wine and have not tried our French wines, you are in for a treat. Nowadays, people everywhere are buying organic fruits and vegetables because they know they taste better. Organic grapes are so luscious. When turned into wine, you can really taste the difference with every sip. So our wines are delicious and eco-friendly. So I want to make it easy for you to try them out. Call me right away at 1-888-ECO-WINE and I will send you three of my favorite organically grown French wines at half off the regular price. That's just $25 plus shipping. Isn't that magnifique? I think so. If you don't share my enthusiasm, I'll gladly refund you money. So take me up on my offer and call me at 1-888-ECOWINE. E-C-O-W-I-N-E. Au revoir.
10: Want to get out of the rat race and stay out? Let Mary Hendrickson, cash flow specialist from First Horizon Home Loans, show you how. Mary takes 27 years of successful banking and brokering and turns them into stepping stones that pave the way to your financial independence. All loans closed for Dr. Pat Show listeners receive a $300 reduction in closing costs. Call Mary today at 425 425- 576-2249 and begin your path to financial freedom. That's 425-576-2249.
6: Are you ready to kick your life up a notch, tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basilli, will leave you shouting, Yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Cross Busting. Listen to The Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com.
0: Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
1: And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide and kind of supporting her intentions of inclusivity, choice, and intentional living, creating a space where people can feel safe to agree or not, and where we can learn from the deep wells of compassion. We're on every Monday from 5 to 6 in the afternoon. We uh, welcome your comments either online at interfaithtalkradio.com or on the telephone here at 425-373-5527. Um, we are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And we are talking about how our traditions help people prepare for the transition called death. And... Uh, Jamal was talking about some of the Muslim traditions and Don from the Christian standpoint. In terms of Judaism, there is a very specific instruction that at the moment of death, one is to recite a line of scripture. And the line of scripture that one is to recite is called the Shema. It's like the central affirmation of Jewish tradition, because it's the central affirmation of oneness. And it appears in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. It's, chapter, it's verse number four, Shema Yisrael, listen, Israel, which is to say listen with the deeper part of yourself, Adonai Elohenu, that <coughs> eternal being in whom everything is held, That one of the entire universe, that one life, that one consciousness, that one awareness, that one compassion, that one love, that awakens within each one of us. That is the spark, that is the heart, that is the core, that is the God of our own being. That is our God. Inner and outer are one. All that appears fragmented, all that appears separate, is in fact sharing one life. everything is an expression of that one. as another psalm verse uh, supports Shiviti Adila Negdita, I set the eternal one before me always, everywhere I look, everywhere I touch, everywhere I hear everything. It's all one. There is no other. So the tradition then says, well, if you're supposed to say the Shema at the moment of death, how do you know when the moment of death is?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And the answer, of course, is right. So this is part of the practice. And since my approach to Jewish tradition is a meditative one, the Shema becomes a central meditation so that one practices it practices reciting the Shema gently, silently, with or without a melody, waiting for those moments when, instead of collapsing into fear, we can allow the Shema to catch us. Because with the consciousness of oneness, fear dissolves. With the consciousness of that one we are, we know at the deepest level that we cannot be lost. Everything changes form. We change form. We're not in total agreement about what happens next. You mentioned, Jamal, in your tradition that there is no notion of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. In Jewish tradition, there are various belief systems. Mm-hmm. In the mystical tradition, Gilgal is a transmigration of souls, and there is a sense in which a soul develops through many lifetimes. And so we talk about young souls and old souls and the root of souls. So that sometimes when we meet each other and we call soulmates, we understand that doesn't mean we're supposed to marry each soulmate, but these are souls that might be from the same root, And we have affinities, and we can help each other on our journey. And the other thing that's stressed in the Jewish approach is forgiveness. Just as as Mary said, there are specific prayers asking forgiveness, giving forgiveness, because it's guilt and resentment and anger that keep us locked up and make it very difficult to release. Sometimes I think that forgiveness and meditation are ways of practicing dying, practicing releasing, practicing letting go, and allowing every letting go to be
3: the predecessor of a moment of rebirth. It's interesting, and and as you're speaking, Ted, I'm thinking that in my tradition uh, at our church, we, we worship God on Sunday, which is the—we um, think of it as, as a witness to the resurrection of Jesus, which is um, the basis for the hope that life does not end with death. Um, it was, as I understand it, I think, uh, uh, a concept that was current in Jesus' time, and he was a rabbi and talking about something that um, actually he then experienced, as we believe— Uh, But the question is, how do we put that into the activities of daily living? How do we make that belief a practice in our lives? And I was thinking as you were talking about a comment from uh, William Temple, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the earlier part of the 20th century, who said, tragedy is the experience of irreparable brokenness, Mm. comma. Then he said, nothing in God's eyes is ever irreparably broken. And that has been enormously comforting to me because it points to that um, uh, reality that God intends healing for all of creation. Uh, Although we come to that from different points of view, there are lots of different ways to to talk about that. Christian people use the uh, resurrection of Jesus as a basis for a belief in such a concept. And the hope that comes from that has a, a moral sensibility about it, hopes for something good and so forth. But uh, it's energizing, and yet death is still very fearful. And so it's something that we need, need each other to help with, and we need the help of God as we deal with that.
2: And yet, of course, as the traditions say, when we die, <clears throat> as you're saying, Brother Ted and Brother Don, the living continues, but in another form. So in Islam, when someone dies, the verses from the Quran say, O oh, serene soul, return to your Lord, pleased and pleasing in his sight. Join my righteous servants and enter my paradise.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And the mystical verses say that every single death is beautiful. It's just a change of form. How marvelous was the way you quit the world, the way you ruffled your feathers and breaking free of your cage, you took off for your soul's world a love sick nightingale among owls. You caught the scent of roses. And you flew to the rose garden. Mm.
1: One thing that might be interesting to our listeners, Jamal, it, because of the, the politicization of religion, and uh, particularly in this, in light of the question of Islam, some of those uh, who talk about the martyr's death will result in a paradise with 72 virgins. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Uh-huh. What is the sense of that in uh, Islam?
2: Uh, most Muslims know that heaven and hell, which are uh, like in the Abrahamic other Abrahamic traditions, described in such vivid terms, they're actually metaphorical. Not to be taken literally. Some do take it literally, but that's a very small percentage. And by the way, the talk about the 72 virgins, I have not found it in the Quran. So it's obviously extra. And I take it. I take it you, you've looked very <laughs> I have, hard. I, I, have, I, have, I have looked hard. But there's a very, there's a very uh, beautiful verse in the Quran which we have talked about, which many spiritual teachers in Islam point to, which says, the verse says, your mother is hell. Your mother is hell, which indicates, uh, and supported by other verses, that when you die, you have to give an accountability. And if there is need of recovery from your brokenness Mm. on earth, you go into a womb, which we we call hell, actually. Actually, if your mother is hell, you go into this very nurturing, nourishing womb for a gestation period, and then you're delivered reborn whole enriched,
1: but that's not the normal kind of hell we imagine right. with hell fires and death that's right
2: yes, 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 a healing hell a healing hell that's right, the fires of purification, you might say I don't know how that would play at some of our other
1: <laughs> religious institutions
3: yeah it's amazing the the ways in which we talk about the way we the ways we try to make sense of uh, life's realities and so forth, the, the stories that we tell uh, that help us to be in, the, in those places and be comforted by them in spite of the fear that seems to come from them. Um, I think that's one of the things I've appreciated about um, learning more about Judaism and Islam is, is uh, the possibilities that together we can uh, provide people with more tools, uh, to live fuller by uh, being more aware of the realities, uh, especially, I think, death, because it's the one that we obscure so well.
2: Mm. And there's so many wonderful practices, just like seeing a dead body mm-hmm. rather than keeping it so hidden. Right. Visiting graveyards as a practice. Right. How powerful how how wonderful it is as a spiritual practice to be able to do that. You know, I, growing up in, in my part of the world, when I used to visit there, I used to see almost daily dead bodies, as they carried them to the streets. You could see the bodies moving; the face was open. You know, I, I, used to, I for some time lived in a Hindu country. The Hindus would carry them to cremation. Uh, you see them in Muslim countries, covered up, wrapped, but they're open. So you you visibly uh, see death, and you palpably feel, and that really connects you to a, a better understanding of life. But here, it's really all hidden. Really, do you, rarely do you see a dead body. Mm-hmm. Leave alone, like in, in Islam, you sometimes, as a spiritual practice, you wash the dead body.
1: Right, with the same practices in traditional Judaism. when A woman's body is washed by a group of women, a man's body by yes. a group of men. That that is a mitzvah, that is an act of connection to the divine to prepare the body for burial. We're we're looking today at, I guess, some of the difficult issues in life, and when we continue, we're going to be taking up one of the questions that has followed us home from our Orcas Island retreat and that actually we didn't have a chance to address up there that has to do with why does God allow so much evil to exist in our world? Why doesn't God just fix things and make everything okay? And we'll address that in a few moments when we return. This is Interfaith Talk Radio on 1150 AM.
8: The Miracle Minute with Mary Manna-Morrissey
7: is an inspirational one-minute phone call sent daily to the phone of your choice. It's only $9.95 a month. And when you mention the Dr. Pat Show, you receive a month free with your subscription. So contact Karen at Life Solutions, that's Karen at Life Solutions, L-I-F-E-S-O-U-L-U-T-I-O-N-S, or call 503-922-3460. Again, that's 503-922-3460 to start receiving your daily Miracle Minute.
8: Occasional indigestion got you down? After meals, do you feel bloated, heavy, tummy hurt? Does occasional heartburn and indigestion or a just plain tired feeling take the energy out of your day? Vital digestive enzymes are needed to properly digest food and E12 provides them all. Customers often report a dramatic life improvement. Call 1-866-NO-BLOW. That's 1-866-NO-BLOW. And discover E12 food enzymes, the digestive secret thousands have benefited from.
10: Introducing a fantastic new breakthrough in oral detoxification from natural cellular defense. It safely removes poisons and heavy metal toxins from the body that may be the cause of many chronic illnesses. It's safe enough for a baby. Presented by copioushealth.com. For more information, call two zero six four two three six five nine six. That's two zero six-four two three six five nine six copioushealth.com. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to discover what's preventing you or your business from obtaining your goals, dreams, and
6: vision. The Inquiring Mind is your partner. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. as Stephanie Durham, Professional Life Coach, presents Aces, Authenticity, Choices, Empowerment, and Success. Spanning 25 years of successful business tenure, in addition to over four years of training with Caroline Mace at the CMED Institute, Stephanie's authenticity and vast knowledge helps you objectively explore wise choices with her finely attuned facilitator skills, leading you to personal empowerment and ultimate success. Do you know you have power to create what you want in your life and in business? You do. This message will self-absorb in five seconds. For more information, call us toll-free at 1-866-461-6463.
0: Following the herd is fine until they lead you off a cliff. Think for yourself. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
1: Faith it's Talk Radio with Pastor Don McKenzie, Muslim Sufi Minister Jamal Rahman, and I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon. And we are talking about why does God allow so much evil to exist? Why doesn't God just fix things?
3: Right. This was a question that came up at our retreat. It's a question, of course, that comes up for us all the time. Um... The question of death and dying is inside it, probably, uh, because sometimes a person's death seems so inexplicably evil. Um, And uh, as Ted was saying during the break, it's a question that sounds like it ought to have an answer. Um, We anguish about this. Uh, Our traditions each suggest aspects or ways to help us kind of get closer to the question. Um, But... uh, You know, there's no easy answer to it. It's something that I think requires uh, communities to anguish about, to share uh, concerns and so forth. Um, God has provided freedom uh, for us to become uh, people that might get closer to God and God's purposes. And in that freedom, we we can make choices that lead to good, And and we are also free to make choices that lead to uh, at least to emptiness, which has the capacity then to be filled with evil. Um, I think in my tradition, at least, we don't believe that people are evil, but people can be empty and then be filled with evil. And there are are too many ways to even think about how that's been recounted in human history. Um, But the good news is that we can choose to be good. We can choose to be filled uh, with things that contribute to God's purposes of love and justice, cooperation, forgiveness, and so forth. But we need each other. Uh, we need uh, each other to, to be reminded uh, of how important that is, how difficult it is, and how the very struggle to come to terms to make sense of that question is is a is at the center of what it means to be a community of faith.
2: Mm. I'd like to approach it of course uh, in, in a way that uh, just like you've indicated you know we don't know the answer really but if i may look at what the quran says about a human being that god molded us from water and clay and then infused us with divine breath my point is We have our personality and we have the uh, Allah nature in us, Allah's breath, the Christ nature, Buddha nature, Elohim nature. So we have to make a very clear distinction, like you made, Brother Don, between behavior and being. The behavior can be evil, but the being is never evil. It is inviolable. It is divine. So I think that discernment, that distinction is critical. But I also take refuge in two verses from the Qur'an. One verse says, where Allah says, Of knowledge we have given you but a little. The other verse says, Of everything that has been created, we have created opposites. So you might know that only God is one. So really, as Prophet Muhammad did, he prayed every morning, O God, Please, may I see things as they really are? Because, as we have said many times, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. But essentially, to me, the answer is wrapped in mystery. And I love to always quote that verse you have heard umpteen times by that mystic who says, Sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment. We are totally wrapped in mystery.
9: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I agree, there is probably no more central question that we have been asked or that religion over the ages or spirituality over the ages has been addressed. How is it that there is oneness? How is it that there is a loving, compassionate presence how is it that that is the source of reality and we look out and have this world how, how exactly does this equate how does this go together and i think we get a con- we get kind of confused about the nature of god because there is this childlike notion of a God out there who is like a big daddy or a big mommy, a big ego. And from the level of our separate self, we project a God like that. It's at that stage where we think our God, our one God is not your one God, you know, as, uh, Someone remarked to me a little while ago, knowing that I'm Jewish and he was a fundamentalist Christian, he confided to me that his God and my God are the same God. But that Allah guy is another person <laughs> altogether, another, you know, that that's not God. And I knew that the frame at which he's operating is that God is this being out there from whom we are separate From a more transcendent sense of self and sense of reality, God is the whole thing. There's nothing that's not God. There's a line in Torah that says, Adonai hu Elohim." the eternal is our God. The eternal outside is the presence inside. Bilvado, all by itself ain there's nothing else one of my friends who is uh, a rabbi named david cooper wrote a book called god is a verb and he says the universe is godding everything is god unfolding well if everything is god unfolding then the manifestations the the one manifesting as the many, and each of us, we are in the land of the many. In order for God to do this, God gives up the control. There's a an image in the Midrash. Uh, the Midrash is an expositional literature on the stories in the Torah, where when God is going to create humankind, God tells the angels, I'm going to create humankind. The angels get all upset. What would you want to do that for? Don't we always praise you? What do you need humans for? God says to them, the wonder of angels is that they praise God all the time. The difficulty with angels is they have no choice. The difficulty with human beings is they're not going to praise God. They're not going to recognize that their source is love and compassion and oneness all the time. But the glory is that when they do, they are choosing it. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So in a sense, the cost of being human is the possibility of human evil. But I don't see it as God creating the evil. But these are the conditions of our lives. If we have the capacity, as you said, Don, If we have the capacity to do good, then we must also have the capacity to do evil. Mm -hmm. If we have the capacity to heal, we must also have the capacity to hurt. It comes with the territory, and it would be really wonderful if we could have the kind of universe where evil would not live among us. And what we're trying to manifest is a world in which, even though that's part of our being, we choose not to act it out through violence, not to let our anger manifest in those ways and increase the degree of love and compassion
2: in our world. So we see all of this in the name of him who has no name, but who appears by whatever name you call her. God is within and without, zahir and batin. Amen. Amen. And this
1: is Interfaith Talk Radio. Among the questions we will be discussing next week at this time is why is religion to be found at the heart of so much violence in our world? We'll be back with you next Monday from 5 to 6 on KKNW 1150 AM. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. Blessings to you all.
0: Views expressed on the preceding program are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. This is Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW Seattle.
4: Good afternoon. Eric Reiner here with you on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. As we approach 6 o'clock time, once again, to take a look at our roadways. And we've got a couple accidents to report to you. 167 northbound at I-405. Southbound, there is an accident involving a semi partially blocking the ramp. And I-5 southbound at 44th Avenue West, there is an accident blocking all lanes. And State Patrol and the incident response team are on the scene. We are seeing rough traffic on southbound. I-5, and that is uh, heavy from 128th all the way down to 212th Street Southwest. And then again, heavy as you approach the 520 interchange and heavy approaching Tukwila all the way down to Kent. Now, we are also seeing some heavy traffic on the eastern side, uh, from 516 southbound I-405 all the way down into Newcastle. I-90, your better bridge across Lake Washington. CNN Radio, I'm Stan Case. Prosecutors in Boulder, Colorado, await the arrival of John Carr, the man who claims he was with six-year-old beauty queen John Bonet Ramsey the night she was killed. From Los Angeles, Jim Roop reports Carr faces a Tuesday morning extradition hearing. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Captain John Franklin says the only thing that remains now from his red carpet trip are his escorts. He's
1: not going to have any inmate contact whatsoever. And wherever he goes in this facility, he will be uh, escorted. He will not be able to uh, move freely at all.
4: Carr will eventually face kidnapping, child sexual assault, and murder charges in connection with John Bonet's death. An extradition hearing is scheduled for tomorrow morning here, and if he waves extradition, it's off to Boulder. Jim Rupp,
0: and Los Angeles. Students at Virginia Tech University are going about their business again. The campus was all but locked.